With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 272nd episode of Awards Chatter the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is a popular young actress who first burst onto the world stage as a teenager, playing Gabriela Montez, a studious good girl, in the Disney Channel's high school musical trilogy, comprised of TV films released in 2006 and 2007, and a theatrically released film in 2008, and who has since proved that she deserves to remain there, in projects ranging from the 2012 dramedy Spring Breakers to her 2015 Broadway debut in a revival of Gigi, to Fox's live musicals Grease Live in 2016, and most recently, back in January, the mostly live Rent Live, Vanessa Hudgens. Over the course of our conversation at the offices of The Hollywood Reporter, the 30-year-old and I discussed how she got started in the business and wound up cast opposite Zac Efron in High School Musical at such a young age, how she navigated the challenges of celebrity, from being one half of a famous couple at the outset of the smartphone era, to having nude photos hacked and leaked to the world while she was still in her teens, how she chose to refashion herself post-high school musical and shape her career into what it has become, namely one in which she performs a wide variety of parts, including, but not limited to, those that call upon her to sing and dance, plus much more. So without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. Good to have you. We always begin by asking a really tough one. Where were you born and raised, and what did your folks do for a living? I knew this. I actually <laughs> knew this. I was born in Salinas, California. Mm-hmm. I moved around a ton growing up, so I didn't stay in any place too long, mm-hmm. but always California. Mm-hmm. My dad was a firefighter, mm-hmm. and my mom came from the Philippines to marry my father, and she had like a couple of jobs here and there, nothing that she really stuck with that long. And I guess that she was working for the city at one point when I was like three years old, and I would call her office, and apparently I got her fired. (laughs) For calling too much? I guess, and that was like the last job that I think that she's had. Well, you put her her out of work, okay. So, um, and it was you and a sibling? (laughs) My sister was born when I was seven, yeah. And she's also in the biz? She is, yeah. yeah. She's doing her thing, you know. It's, It's a tough business. It is. It really is. So when and how did you first display this sort of interest in performing in one form or another. I read that it was probably pretty unusually young. Yeah, it was very young. Yeah. I was the kid that was like running around 
choreographing dances to like everybody dance now when I was like three years old <laughs> and I was also the kid that would be like in the stroller in the park and there would be like an orchestra playing and I would pick up a stick and act as the conductor <laughs> I just like loved being the center of attention and because of my not stopping dancing my mm -hmm. parents were like we should put her in dance class put at what in. age was that I think I was probably like four right I was the kid in the dance class that actually remembered the choreography, <laughs> so everyone else would be doing their own thing and right. looking at me uh, yeah. because I actually remember what we're supposed to be doing. And then how did the acting side of it come in? I just, I loved performing, so my parents put me in community theater mm -hmm. when I was the ripe age of six years old, <laughs> um, and I fell in love with it because I was a really shy kid. Mm -hmm. I would always like hide behind my mom whenever she tried to introduce me to people, but when I was doing theater, it felt like I could hold my own two feet mm -hmm. and could hide behind a character and just fell in love with that. But I remember when it came to improv time, I would make myself as small as possible. I was like, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. So the idea of doing this professionally in some form, that, you know, I'm always curious how that starts, especially when you're a kid, because I don't know how many kids know, like, all right, well, you have to get an agent. You have to go through a talk yeah. whatever. So, you know, the question is always like, was it the kids' idea? Was it the parents' idea? You know, was everybody as into it as the other side of it? How did it start with you? Well, I th I'm pretty sure it was, I was doing this, one of the community shows, and one of the girls said that she had an audition for a commercial and she couldn't make it. And she's like, you should go and see what happens. So I went and, of course, I booked it. <laughs> Beat her <laughs> and, out. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up signing with her agency. So it happened really organically. Right. And so now that, you know, there's some traction and, and I guess they're going to start sending you out for more and you start booking more. Like talk about the the sacrifices that demands of a family, especially when you were not at that time that close to Los Angeles. You're in California, but this is where the business is. Yeah. I mean, Auditions definitely took out a massive chunk of the day because I feel like at that time we were in Vista, so it was at least a three-hour drive wow. for an audition. Each way? Each way, wow. yeah. And, you know, most of the time it was my mom driving me, and, like, she really just kind of was there to be the best mom possible. Mm -hmm. She was like, I'll drive you wherever you need to be, and really kind of sacrificed her life and her interests for my own. Mm -hmm. And you were immediately enjoying it in the same way that you were before it was with stakes, like, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved it. I loved it from day one, and I still love it so much. I mean, I think that's why I love musical theater so much, is because that's, like, how I found myself as a little person. Like, that's how I kind of just fell in love with the arts and being on the stage. It just, it feels like home. Mm -hmm. It still does. And it did not bother you that part of the sacrifice that you would have to make to make this happen is, I don't know what point this started, but you're going to have to be homeschooled, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, homeschooling came a little later for me. I was going to 
a performing art school in Orange County, and I booked my first major feature film. I think I was like 14 years old. It was called Thunderbirds, but I had to go away and film for six months in London, oh. and the performing arts school was not, not gonna having have that. it. They were like, no, this is unacceptable. <laughs> right, you can't right. be tardy this right. many days. So my mom was like, well, I guess we're going to just homeschool you then. Wow. And so yeah. she was your teacher? Or you brought she in was my teacher. We had like an advisor, someone overseeing the whole study yeah. the books and all that mumbo jumbo but and it wasn't kind of tough to be removed from friends and class but I guess you've been moving a I lot moved anyway around so yeah. much I relationships never stayed that long right. for me I mean it was just kind of me my mom my sister right. out to conquer the world right I was like as long as I had them I was good so you know even if you're enjoying it and you're you know all the the now kind of professional side of doing what you enjoyed doing before do you feel like it forced you to kind of grow up a little faster than your age contemporaries? I feel like I was born an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily a choice per se. I feel like it was just something that I was kind of born with. Right. Being in the industry, of course, you are forced to grow up faster and act a certain way. And I had always admired people who are professional like that was just something that I was like oh okay I need right. to do that and I'm grateful that I learned that at an early age because not everybody's still at this age no. they don't know what that means no. and it's funny with the homeschooling I forget who it was we recently had a guest on who said they wish they'd been homeschooled because what they would do is they'd do the work like as probably the same age you were then go back to school and start talking to the teachers like they would talk to you know adults on the set they're like yeah. who the hell do you think you're talking to so, <laughs> but all right so the first like sizable film project I guess would have been Thunderbirds but the first role period was 13 first film role first period film was 13, role was 13 yeah. this is to remind people Catherine Hardwick and with a couple other very talented young actresses Evan Rachel Wood Nikki Reed I think I forget if Evan got Evan Rachel Wood got nominated for the Oscar she was certainly like in the mix but like this was a pretty and obviously we know what happened with Catherine Hardwick and everybody yeah. since then but it was also like it's you know mature so I'm trying to think how old you would have been if I it was, was 13, 13. <laughs> I was literally 13 when I right. did 13 so what was that I mean first to be on a film period secondly to be on a good one with other talented people just the whole experience of, of that side of things I mean, I feel like when you're young, you're kind of just going through the motions. You don't realize the gravity of a project that you're doing, especially me, because my character was the good girlfriend. Right. Like, I didn't have to do any of the trouble <laughs> making. So right. I just I just remember being like, wow, this is really cool. Everyone's really nice. These people are really great at what they do. And then I saw the movie and I was like, oh, <laughs> that was the movie they made. Right. And my takeaway was, when I'm 16, can I get my belly pierced? <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you were 16, having now done a few other movies, the two that we mentioned, and I guess some others as well, that's when I think it was the age, I believe, when the whole high school musical chapter. I was 15. 15. 15 when you got cast? Yeah, when I got cast for high school musical. Okay. In case there happened to be some listeners of this podcast who <laughs> haven't yet caught up on the trilogy, let's just tell them. You were playing Gabriela Montez, a studious good girl is the way she seems to be described in all the articles, yeah. and, and if you've seen it, of course. And this is on the Disney Channel. The first two of these three were for TV movies, period. High School Musical in 2006, High School Musical 2 in 2007, the latter of which became the channel's highest rated TV movie 
with 17 million viewers, so it was clearly, you know, gaining a following. And then High School Musical 3 senior year, which went to theaters Mm -hmm. and grossed more than $250 million worldwide. So let's go to the beginning of that and just ask how you first became aware that there was such a thing as the when the original was coming together and what you made of it because I wondered if if like I guess prior to that it didn't look like music centric things were like what you were exclusively going for so did it just work out that way or or were you kind of hoping to move in that direction I mean at that age I was like I will take any Anything, job right? I can possibly get and <laughs> I had fair. been auditioning for Disney a ton yeah. because they're always pumping out these projects <laughs> I never got cast and I was I remember getting this audition and I told my mom I I don't know I I, I don't feel like I'm going to get it like they never cast me in anything she goes honey I have a good feeling about this I'm like okay fine always listen to mom <laughs> mom's no best right. and so I remember going in and and auditioning just like any other normal audition and then had another audition a callback and then went in and did a mix match and then a fourth final mix match where we sealed the deal <laughs> well let's let's kind of explain why the mix match would be important because this basically all of these center around Gabriella and Troy mm-hmm. and I am sure they wanted to make sure that these two actors could get along, that there was some chemistry, all of this stuff. Yeah. So talk about like what that mixed match process involved, how many other tries there were before we got to Mr. Efron. I feel like for the first mix and match, there was probably five or six people there for each part, mm-hmm. and they would kind of just run you through different people. I think that I only got matched up with one other guy, mm-hmm. and then I was matched up with Zach the rest of the time. And I mean, I was a baby. I was yeah. 15 years old, and I was like, oh my God, this guy's so cute. <laughs> so was it, <laughs> so that it was, definitely helped the chemistry. Right, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And it was clear to you, though, I guess you're saying there was only one other real contender for his part that, that you were paired with. Mm-hmm. It was clear that of the two, in your mind, this is who they should catch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like we kind of created a bond right from the start. We were like, we're doing this. It's <laughs> us or nothing. Right. <laughs> so do you remember how you learned that you got the part? And do you remember how soon after that life started to change a little bit? I mean, suddenly this is you are now on a Disney Channel thing for, the I think, like you're saying, yeah. the first time. And that comes with a lot of fanfare. Yeah, I feel like I vaguely remember getting a call that I got the part and me and my mom screaming and (laughs) jumping up and down as you do. I feel like filming was probably a few months after that call. And the process of of filming it itself was incredible. Kenny Ortega is just such a pro and really spent time making sure that it felt like it was in our bones. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like we were putting on something else mm-hmm. like the movement was coming from our true beings right. and I feel like that just made it feel really authentic mm-hmm. and made us all feel really safe was it fun I mean oh this has got to be grueling it though, was right? the best time ever you're literally a kid running around <laughs> singing and dancing hanging out with people that you really like right. and you get to do what you love and you get to document it like it was literally a dream I don't know if you ever saw the old, like, Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland movie musicals, <laughs> but sort of the comparison, I guess, again, if they're, I'm trying to make sure our older listeners can be, follow along what we're talking yeah. about. That whole thing was like, you know, enthusiastic young kids, like, let's go down to the barn and put on a show and whatever. And I guess there's sort of, it was that 
it, it is a timeless kind of thing that that's really what is. you know young kids like putting on a show and yeah. So, yeah i mean like i still do when i'm 30 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i always will i think that like right. when you're a performer you can't help yourself you just love that it doesn't go away right unless you've been had and jaded right. and screwed over <laughs> which i have not yet <laughs> not, thankfully. not too badly okay well so this is not the sort of podcast where we would we would harp on this side of things, but I just have to ask, you know, people often talk about the challenges of being romantically involved with a co-star. Yeah. We just had our most recent episode that posted was Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, who said that he was dating the woman that was cast as his sister on his first like major <laughs> role. He's like, it can complicate things, he was saying. So I guess my question is, it seems like you and Zach were dating for like four or five years and five it years, started yeah. during the... Yeah. show like uh-huh. right at the I don't know right, right at the know? beginning yeah so did that help make you guys better does it complicate things does it some you know sometimes if, if you're fighting does that make a problem for the performing side of it just like take us inside of what that can do when you've got to show up every day for years yeah with somebody like that you know it, it started off really organically and I could not have been more grateful to have that relationship at that time because like you said we kind of blew up it was like this massive phenomenon all of a sudden and eyes were on me and I it's just a really foreign weird thing to to go through and by being in a relationship I feel like it kind of kept me stabilized Mm -hmm. and grounded and I had someone to lean on who was going through it as well Mm -hmm. but yeah of course everything's not always the happy and dandy and they're I remember one time we did have a fight and it was while we were at rehearsals and I remember Kenny Ortega coming around the corner with the most concerned look on his face like oh no is our movie going to fall (laughs) apart right now like I said I pride myself on being a professional so I was like that aside we're just gonna move forward and do what we need to do and we sorted it all out Um, but yeah I I think because I was so young having that relationship really stabilized me the thing that I really sort of felt for as, as you know, you just observe the industry and seeing you guys at that age becoming well-known is that you must have been among the first, like, young couples to ever have to be subjected to the smartphone era, to the social media era. Like, that, people have said, like, you know, I think Angelina, when she did this, probably different people that have been through high-profile relationships, they're like, it's hard enough entering the public eye at yeah. a young age when there's not that crap. Yeah. This means... There, you're never like privacy does not really exist unless you're in your home and who knows even then I guess yeah, but like really. you know but so I guess my question is how does something like that just that sort of sense that you cannot really let loose totally at any time impact a young person I mean I feel like it definitely forced me to a, to be a bit more reserved than I would if I wasn't in that spotlight I definitely took to hiding away and I wouldn't go out that much because going out meant dealing with people, dealing with photographers, Mm -hmm. dealing with God knows what. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of easier to lock myself up and hide. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, the, the last thing of just this challenges of being a public person at a young age and in the present tech age, I mean, we had uh, this is I know it sounds like we're just dropping a lot of names, but the last one was when when Jennifer Lawrence came on this podcast and she went through something in 2014 with a lot of other people that was appalling. Yeah, where you know she basically said she felt 
quote unquote gang rape by the universe by <laughs> you know very articulate that. yeah <laughs> when you know this this whole um you know hacking and leaking and all of that of, of private photos you seven years earlier before we were enlightened <laughs> enough to kind of know that that's not don't blame the person that that happened Literally. to maybe be angrier at the people that did it you went through this at, and at a much younger age yeah. so just as the last side of like celebrity sacrifices or <laughs> bullshit that you have to deal with i would just ask like that can that could have probably crushed a, a less strong yeah person. i mean i i was mortified i was terrified i was so young i mean but like as a young woman you're figuring yourself out too right. like i have no regrets but it's it was definitely a time where I hid out even more. I remember we booked a hotel room at a hotel and we left that hotel and there were probably 30 paparazzi all just stumbling over each other, trying to get a shot. I'm with my family. I'm with like my six-year-old sister. Like it was just one of those times where I was like, I just want to die. And I was so young. Like it just felt very unfair and I take full responsibility of my actions, but like it's just so messed up how it's not even your choice anymore what people receive of you and your image. People take it upon themselves to expose you for someone that you may not even fully be. And that you in those days, like I'm saying earlier, like the idea that you would have to put out an apology. I know. You didn't email them around as I far know, as like, I know. At that time, that had never happened. <laughs> no, it was new. It was like brand new. So I was yeah. just like, I don't want to step on any toes. Right. I just want peace right. and love. <laughs> just like whatever I can do to make this go away, right. please just make that happen sooner than later. Well, and I guess if you can endure that, there's not too many other things that are going to come along that are going to be, you know, that you can't. So that yeah. was a... I mean, like, maybe if I got robbed or like a burglar <laughs> broke into my house, that could be... Let's not put any I, I ideas out there. Yeah. Uh, so the High School Musical chapter, which really in the grand scheme of things, I guess, wasn't that long. It's like three yeah. years, right? Yeah. When that came to an end, like 07, 08, I, around the same time, I guess, your, your personal relationship did as well. You're now 22. You're going out in the world. And suddenly the things that had defined you, at least to the public, were kind of gone. And so I wonder at that moment where it was life and the future, did that seem scary? Did that seem exciting? Like, were you yourself not sure who you were or what, did you have a clear plan? Like, what's that moment like? Well, to rewind a little bit, after High School Musical, I was getting offered a lot of parts that were like in that same world, right. the same character. And when I first started acting, like... I wanted to be the girl who was like the cool indie girl. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play the drug addict or the prostitute or <laughs> like I wanted to go deep, right. dark and heavy. Right. And High School Musical was amazing, but it completely derailed me from that. Right. So I was like, I don't want to do the parts that are just going to be offered to me. I need to say no to all of that. And I need to find my own path. And it's going to be challenging and I'm going to have to fight. Mm -hmm. But when I do get it, it's going to make it all the better. And you really like among the things that you just list as examples those were parts that you pl ended up playing yeah exactly but let's go through actually those those next few years just uh we can kind of you know run through these yeah. first thing actually because it kind of connects to the present i think one of the first big things is in 2010 you did rent 
for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And this was as a different character than you played on the live show. But yeah. Mimi, who is an HIV positive uh, dancer, this was at the Hollywood Bowl for a director named Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> so just like in this case, it wasn't yet veering away totally from musicals, but it was a, a completely very different, different part. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I remember reading that and being like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I wasn't really even that familiar with the music mm -hmm. or the story. So once I did familiarize myself with it, I was like, oh, this is perfect. And right. I love Neil. And it was like one of those summer productions where you rehearse for like two weeks and you do three or four shows and then that was it. Right. So I was like, great. It's not a big <laughs> commitment. It's not Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had so much fun. So then... In 2011, for in terms of here, we're talking about really going in a different direction. For Zack Snyder, movie Sucker Punch, a group of young women teaming up to escape an insane asylum. Yeah. A uh, very physical role, very different than what high school musical viewers yeah. might have known you to do. Totally. And then also that year, a drug addict's daughter in Beastly. Then 2013, you called it, I think, the indiest of indie movies, <laughs> Gimme Shelter, a pregnant homeless teen. That same year, a junkie in the frozen ground. Mm -hmm. That same year, a brothel worker in Machete Kills for Robert Rodriguez. I mean, it seems <laughs> like it was definitely about, like, let's wipe the slate clean. Look, yeah. I can do some other yeah, stuff. I get bored doing the same thing. Like, I want to push the boundaries. I want to do everything. Right, right. Well, that was... Definitely gave them some options to pick from. And then I guess the ultimate of that, which probably more than any of these others our, our listeners will know, is Spring, Spring Breakers. Breakers. Harmony Corinne, 2013, group of good girls do bad things to be able to enjoy oh, yeah. Spring Break. And just to further set the scene here, I believe you are good friends with Selena Gomez. She was one mm -hmm. of your fellow cast members there, as was James Franco, an Oscar-nominated actor. This involved a lot of improv and doing some things that Gabriella probably never would have done. <laughs> was this one particularly fun? And, and you know, I guess to come back, because you talked about earlier, like improv, you would yeah. shut down in the past. I know. That would not have been an option. No, it wouldn't have <laughs> been. I mean, growing up, I feel like at this point, right. I felt a little bit more comfortable with who right. I was. Right. And felt fine to play and uh, Harmony made such a safe set for us he had us come in and our rehearsals were literally us just like hanging out and <laughs> talking about the scenes and he's like I just want you guys to go crazy and have so much fun say whatever you want right. and we're like okay um, and the script was a tiny tiny little script and he would literally come up to us and be like I have an idea for a scene follow me We'd like go across the street into a parking lot and he's like, okay, I want you guys to tell Celine's character how you got the money and how you robbed the chicken shack. Just like <laughs> tell her, like show her how you did it and tell her and whenever you guys are ready, just go for it and walk away. And we're like, okay, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> but it was just like so much fun having such freedom and being with other actresses who are amazing and so game to play. And we just, we had the best time. Would it you was have debaucherous. guessed though that it it would actually come together as a good movie like it's I mean before James got there it was a little like what kind of movie are we making <laughs> it's just like girls making out with each other everywhere right. and like I remember that we were filming this one scene it was kind of a montage in a hallway and Harmony was telling us like do handstands do cartwheels now like lay on the ground and kick your feet up and then he's like Benoit look, film their butts and I'm like what <laughs> 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 okay okay I, I have faith like right. 
and Benoit, I mean, just a mastermind. Mm-hmm. And I am such a big fan of his work as well. So I was like, if Benoit is filming it, I know it's going right. to be artistically beautiful. And then James got there. And then he came in. And I think that it was written that he had two lines right. and then he did his whole bit about like you can follow me on youtube <laughs> i'm blowing up and he like came in with this whole bit and we were like oh okay right here's where the heart of the movie right. lies oh my god and we get to piggyback off that so i guess though just to go backwards for one sec what was the original so that you say the script was like a flimsy little thing so what sold you on doing it until you obviously when you got there and you saw it coming together you felt a little more confident but like harmony har- yeah yeah he's just one of those directors who is so unique in what he does who is just a, a true artist i was like the more of those types of directors i can work with i think the more proud of my career i'll be yeah so two years after that with probably those that period in between involving a lot of prep and hard work was something that I actually was in New York and saw you in called Gigi. Uh, (laughs) This was on Broadway. It had been done like, what, 60-something years earlier Mm -hmm. with Audrey Hepburn. Then they Mm -hmm. did the movie with Leslie Caron. So your first Broadway experience, how did it come together for you? I, I heard or read one of these things where it was like when you got the heads up that there was an audition or whatever, it was like maybe at a lower point so that it was kind of a, a pick me up to just, you know, this is something that you kind of had, I think, had on your radar since you were the little kid doing community theater. This is the top of the mountain for theater. So just how did it all come together? I remember my manager, Evan, calling me. I was actually at Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, they're doing this musical, mm-hmm. Gigi. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally know mm-hmm. that musical. And he's like, and they're very interested in you to play the lead part. And I was like, really? I'm like really Filipino. I don't know if there'd be <laughs> Filipinos running around in France at that time. Right. He's like, no, I mean, they're, they're really interested. I was like, okay, whatever. Right. I mean, if they say so. Mm-hmm. So I was totally game to put the work in and do the audition. And I went in and read for them. I did one of the like scenes where she's more of a young girl, one of the scenes where she was more of a woman, I think did two songs. And it was like my first classic Broadway audition I remember walking into the rooms and there are multiple rooms, so many actors everywhere. You hear incredible voices singing songs coming out of every room. It was terrifying. <laughs> I was so nervous. But I did it, felt really good about it. And uh, a few hours later, they gave me a call saying that they wanted me to do the part. On the same day. Yeah, same wow. day. A few hours good. later, I called all the people who are close to me and screamed into the phone as loud as possible. Because that was like a bucket list thing. Yeah, I, it really was. One of my family friends found a journal of mine and said, one day I want to be on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I have so much respect for anybody who can go and do eight shows a week i know it's crazy for months it's crazy probably i mean what was your runtime probably like at least i did like the whole six months yeah i mean split up between dc that's grueling and i guess i wonder you know plus knowing that essentially the production in this case 12 million dollars or something is built around you as the center your (laughs) title character you're the central person there's a whole company of people i mean that that comes with pressure and yet it was well-received enough that you're on the Tonys doing yeah. uh, the night they invented champagne yeah. and like getting to perform in front of the, you know, that's, it's a major thing for, and probably an emotionally 
and physically and in every way, like grueling, draining, but whatever thing. So I guess I just wonder, like, was it something you were able to, in the process of doing it, enjoy, or was it just like fighting for survival, or how would you describe it? No, I mean, I I love theater. I don't, I can't say it enough, but yeah. I keep coming back to it, but I just, I love it so much. It reminds me of like my days growing up being in rehearsals at the Old Globe Theater, like putting together a show, and my job is to do the best I possibly can mm-hmm. for this character. Any of the other pressures, I can't worry myself mm-hmm. with that because otherwise I would give myself a panic attack. Right. So for me, it was just about doing the best job I possibly can. And Gigi, the character, is so joyous, which is a big part of who I am. So I literally was just running around like a child having the best time to the point my director came up to me and he's like, okay, don't take this the wrong way, but you're kind of playing like, 12 I need you to be like 16 right or maybe he might even said younger so I was like okay so too joyous too young got it taking that note and we'll do better that's um but it was just the best time I had the most incredible time of my life I love a hustle I love working hard and I love doing what I do well it was a fun show and I I think it was probably a wise move in the present day to not have the old grandfather sing thank (laughs) Thank heaven for little little girls girls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. so okay so now just the year after that maybe not even a full year was another musical and the first of your two live musicals on tv which Mm -hmm. has sort of been the phenomenon of the last like i guess six years at this point this was rizzo and grease live 2016 on fox talk about like it's yes it's also theater yes it's also a musical and yes you still have to like do a lot of prep to get ready but this is a essentially like one night only no do-overs and maybe that's why people tune in in quite they large numbers <laughs> yeah they want to see something or just like that's the that's live tv for you but so what was how how far ahead of the air date did you start to prep and what was the most daunting thing about what you were going to have to do with Greece that was uh, such an ambitious production i honestly don't know how we pulled that off obviously it's such a beloved musical so that aspect of it was kind of freaking me out personally <laughs> because rizzo's such an iconic character and stockard's such a phenomenal job at bringing her to life that i was like i want to do this role justice and i remember my boyfriend picking me up one day and me getting in the car and just crying and being like i just don't know if i'm gonna get it he's like you have time it's Mm -hmm. fine we started about three months Mm -hmm. from the air date and you know just like any other musical rehearsal situation where you start with the music you start blocking it out greece was a particularly fun one though because you're playing high school students and rowdy high school students so we all kind of fell into our characters and we turned into a bunch of rowdy high school students (laughs) (laughs) and your big number there i guess was there are worse things i could do was that the biggest sort of thing that you had to really nail in your mind that was the biggest thing what was that it was it was Sandra D because that's such an, yes, another yeah, another yeah, incredible yeah. like fun but also technical song. Oh, but what I was saying early, why it was so ambitious is the the musical being so beloved. But also we shot it between 
three different locations on the Warner Brothers lot. We had two stages, and then we had the massive outdoor areas. So we would literally finish a song, run to the nearest oh. exit, hop on a golf cart, be driven over to the next set, run over to the quick change, throw your clothes on, and run out into the scene. Oh, my God. Like, the fact that everyone made their, yeah. their marks on time Without is being... just... <laughs> A miracle. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I love that experience. It was, my dad was sick during it, and he passed away the night before uh, the performance. And I just remember, I was like, please, God, just not the night before. And of course, that's what happened. But my dad sacrificed, and my mom sacrificed so much for me to be able to do what I love so I was like this is for him and Mark Platt was so sweet he like did a dedication to him at the end of it and yeah it's crazy well I was gonna say it's like as if it's not emotional enough to just do it period literally well I think that when people learn and realize that that had just happened and that you still went on with the show I guess there's a term in, in the theater community, trooper. They're like this. And we all say, oh, you're a trooper a little, if a little kid does something or whatever. But like, it really comes from somebody that will go through with it even when the shit is hitting the fan. And I think you really want the respect and admiration of a lot of people by not only showing up but really killing it that night. And I just want to quote, New York Times said, Vanessa Hudgens' quote, deserves some kind of prize for gutting through, close quote, that performance. Hollywood Life said you stole the show. The rap said you crushed it. I mean, it was a pretty, when you think about it, that's one of these like almost, you know, again, like they, when they made movie musicals in the 30s and stuff, that's the kind of like crazy thing they would come up with for the plot of a, you know, that somebody has to still go on after that. Literally. You know, so I, I thought that was unbelievable. <laughs> that really. Okay, so that was 2016. Beginning of 2019 was Rent Live. In between these two live musicals, though, you've been busy. So let's talk about, I'm sure, you know, I'm leaving things out, but second act where you're working in a movie with Jennifer Lopez, Mm -hmm. who I think may have been a a role model or if that's the right word of yours growing up because she's, you know, just works out chronologically. (laughs) And then to have her go to bat for you to be in it Mm. must have been a kind of nice vote of confidence. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, I had worked with her producing partner, Elaine. We did Band Slam together right. 10 years prior. Right. I, she's J-Lo. I mean, she's <laughs> like, she's a triple threat. Right. So, of course, I looked up to her and I went in for my audition with her and I was like, no matter what happens, I'm just so grateful that I got to have the experience of reading with her in the room because we connected on such a real and raw and vulnerable way where like she saw herself in me and I saw myself in her mm-hmm. it was just like very magical <laughs> so I was like even if I don't get this part I'm just so grateful I got to have that experience yeah. and then I guess that after I left she was like she's our girl <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I got cool. to do the movie with her and she was amazing there was also in that period that we're talking about a week at the Kennedy Center for uh, oh, yeah. In the Heights. Yeah. And they're doing some shows. Now, this was obviously Lin-Manuel's show that is a little, you know, maybe the second most famous uh, Lin-Manuel <laughs> production, but they're, I know they may be, they are doing Enjoying a movie film, of yeah. it. Has that been cast yet? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. But you, yeah. that was a good experience to go back and do oh, again, another short run, but like. 
Yeah, it was trip. the best. Yeah. And Lynn was there all the time, like they're supporting us. And the character's name was Vanessa. <laughs> and there's like this whole number where they're like, Wepa, Vanessa. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's up? <laughs> I'm just like riding so high that entire right, production. Right. I felt so good about myself. But it was another really fun, exciting thing. I signed up thinking it was going to be a concert series. Like we were going to be sitting with the stands and the books in front of us. And of course, nothing is ever yeah. as you think it will be. <laughs> and I get there and it turns out we're doing the entire production wow. and we learned the entire thing very, very quickly. Um, it's kind of a, another miracle that it came together. Yeah. But it was so fun. And then just this past December, not that long ago, there was a, another movie that went to Netflix called The Princess Switch, yes. which they don't share figures publicly, but my sense anecdotally <laughs> is that a lot of people watch this and like this it's and <laughs> there's sort of a, a Netflix effect that, you know, I guess many of the people particularly who grew up maybe watching you on High School Musical or yeah. other things, they are now the the uh, Netflix and chill age yeah. and they probably were a, a big part of, like, it's nice to know they've presumably followed you along and here is a, another big thing and maybe the beginning of of another kind of chapter there. Yeah, I mean, if if you would have asked me to do that movie maybe even five years before, I would have been like, no, <laughs> I can't. That's just too sweet. Right. It's just no. Right. But the older that I've gone, the more that I'm like, no, I, I can literally do whatever I want to. Mm -hmm. And I grew up loving the parent trap and i was like that whole switcheroo movie situation is amazing mm -hmm. it's so classic and i've never worked with a british accent before so that would be exciting and a new challenge and to be acting with myself yeah i was like i get to literally direct almost where i want this scene to go because i'm i don't have to tell another person right. it's literally me doing both parts so how, how does it work you just immediately shoot the second part right i would after? i would go as film as one character do my coverage then we would do a wide where we would lock off the camera and i would have like a stand-in who would mm -hmm. learn all my parts mm -hmm. as well bless her mm -hmm. and then we would switch mm -hmm. wardrobe and hair and makeup and everything and the camera would still be locked we'd go into a respectable place Mm -hmm. film that again as the other character right. and then come in for the close-up in that character and then move on wow. it was a lot yeah. of work it's like two it movies. was a yeah. lot of work right. but it was so much fun this brings us up to january 27th 2019 when people watching fox saw rent live you were playing maureen a drama queen of a performance artist who used to date mark and now falls in love with joanne <laughs> this was the character dina menzel played on Broadway and in the movie and without any disrespect at all to Greece that at the end of the day you know is not really about anything of social import yeah, yeah. you know maybe about getting laid or whatever <laughs> rent on the other hand changed the culture yeah and continues to be relevant which is kind of amazing yeah all these years later so in this case again how much prep time did you have to get it together and what were the biggest hurdles this for this one I feel like it was probably roughly around the same time, three months, uh, to prepare everything. You know, I kind of had it easy because I don't come in until halfway through right. the show. <laughs> so I remember when they were teching, I'd be like, do you guys need me to come in? They're like, no, you're fine. I'm like, okay, I'll see you 
the next day and right. then i'd check in the next day and then i'm like do you guys need me to come in today they're like no you're fine we'll see you the next time and so i was like i'm getting all this time off which i'm grateful about but like i want to be there right. so badly right. that whole process of figuring out this show and rent in particular is just something that is so near and dear to my heart i literally would wake up in the middle of the night singing santa fe <laughs> or what you own like right. songs that i'm not even in right but i think the most daunting thing for me uh, about playing Maureen was just the musical numbers that she has. Well, let's. There's not really, a lot, but they're, but, they're, but they're pretty monumentous. <laughs> let's uh, let's set them up. I mean, I guess probably the the most challenging, maybe if that's the right word, would yeah. be over the moon. Yeah, you're basically up there by yourself on an enormous set, surrounded by a large audience. Yep hitting notes that are high, that are long, <laughs> while doing crazy physical stuff. <laughs> it is a real showstopper, and it must have been a, a It was terrifying. Beast. yeah. <laughs> it was terrifying. Yeah. I remember every time before we would start rehearsing, my hands would start sweating uncontrollably, and then I would put knee pads on for freedom mm -hmm. to crawl around, yeah. as one does yeah. in that number, and um, I would take them off afterwards. My knees were just drenched. I was like, I never knew my kneecaps yeah, could sweat, sweat so much. <laughs> but Michael Greif was just so incredible at really helping me be guided along. He's like, maybe just play with what it feels like being on the floor, and and was just so phenomenal at guiding me to all the right places that I needed to go. But it was it was a beast. Until I would set foot onto the stage, my heart would just be pounding. But as a performer, as soon as you're on that stage, Adrenaline. it all goes yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> so then the other maybe. Close. Oh, and then like with that number too, I kept on singing it higher than it was supposed to be. I don't know why. It's just like <laughs> where my voice naturally yeah. went to. And I kept being told like, you know, you're starting it like a little higher than you need to. So if you want to drop it down a little bit, right. you can. But you're doing it a cappella. So I'm like, you know, if it's working and I'm not cracking my notes and I feel supported, I'm just going to go for it. There you go. And yeah. then the the duet with... The actress who plays Joanne, that's that was another I'm blanking right now. Take me or leave take, me. Yeah, take me or yeah. leave me is a kind of fun, Beast. catchy, but also Jeez. yeah, also that yeah. song is so high. I am horrible because when I am not doing a musical, I'm not doing my vocal warm-ups every day. And I should be to all you <laughs> actresses out there listening, do your freaking vocal warm-ups. What do your vocal warm-ups entail? I have like a CD that I have that I do with my vocal coach, Eric Vitro, who I've been going to since I was like 16 years mm -hmm. old. And they're just scales and everything, which is just so important. We work out our bodies. We need to work out our, our voices. Right. And I had not been singing that much when I got this part and i remember singing that song and being like oh shit <laughs> that is a high yeah, song right. and i would practice it and i would do it like three times and then the fourth time my voice would just stop start cracking right, it would just right. give up on me so I, I really had to exercise my voice and was diligent about my vocal warm-ups every day sometimes twice a day just trying to get my voice in shape i thought it was interesting that while you did see Nicole Scherzinger do that part when you did it at the Hollywood Bowl, mm -hmm. you did not choose to go and see how Adina Menzel had done it. Is that true? Or did you maybe, maybe that was just the, well, leave it to you. I, I had seen like the previous recording yeah. when I was doing it 
with Neil yeah. and playing Mimi. But with this one, I wanted to experiment with like, what if I just treat this as like a brand new yeah. character and and see what comes out of me, Vanessa, that works for Maureen. Yeah. And I feel like by doing so, I, I found something that was really authentically me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I p- always pay respects to those yeah, who have come yeah. before. But And they got um, a nice moment at the end of yeah, yeah, I know. That was so amazing. So Rent has a strange and kind of eerie history because on the morning of its first off-Broadway preview, Jonathan Larson, who created it, dropped dead at the age of 35 of yeah. an aortic dissection. Now, flash forward 22 years, almost to the day. Yeah. And another crazy thing happened. So for people who may not know, can you share what caused Rent Live to be Rent Almost Live? (laughs) And how did you and the rest of the company handle this? Oh, gosh. It gives me chills thinking about it. Well, it was the dress rehearsal the night before the live performance, which we tape. You make sure everything is running smoothly. And right after the number What You Own, Jordan Fisher and Brennan Hunt, Mark and Roger, are on this large scaffolding and they have to run down the narrow staircase to get down and change for the last act. And I guess Brendan Hunt, who played Roger, decided to not step on the last step because he was in a rush and just skipped one step and broke his foot. We stopped. We didn't really know what was happening. We were waiting in the wings for our entrance for the next number. I just remember seeing Michael just like beelining through everyone to go check on him. And I was like, oh, no, what is happening? Like literally like worst nightmare stuff happening right in front of my eyes. And we heard that he rolled it. And they brought him out and set him on the table for the last act, finished the show that uh-huh. night. We just made sure that we didn't hit his foot, which yeah. just made me so nervous because <laughs> right. not everyone is very so aware yeah. of their space. Yeah. And then he went to the hospital the next morning. I reached out. I was like, how are you doing? He said he broke his foot. And I was like, oh, God, that sucks because we've worked so hard yeah. for so long. Yeah. And like, that's kind of it now. Well, because we should say somehow, and I don't think this will ever happen again, but like you guys didn't have understudies, right? No, you never have understudies because it's one show. Uh, well, they might there now. There will be now, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself, okay, so that's that's a bummer for him, right. but he did great. So I'll just do my stuff mm-hmm. live and then the stuff that he's not in. I, we won't be doing. Right. And I remember getting to work and Mark Platt, our producer, sat us all down, everyone, cast, crew, everyone involved at the bleachers and was like, last night we caught lightning in a bottle. What you guys did was truly spectacular. It was magnificent. People were saying, I don't know how they're going to be able to do this better tomorrow. We're very proud of you. And we are going to air last night's show. And I was like, wait, what what are you, what are you, we're not going to do it again? And he's like, everyone was so good. We'll figure out like a concert version for you guys to do tonight so that the audience who are coming still get something. And we'll reblock the last act so that Brennan can be in a wheelchair and we'll have that be live. And, um, how'd you feel about that? Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, like, I get it. 
we they did what they had to do but when you ha- are so invested and spend all your time and energy for this one thing for this one moment and not get it oh it's devastating do you think that when you did the performance that was taped that they ended up using were you giving were you holding back at all no no like i've been doing this for so long that i know like if we're doing a performance we are doing a performance like i'm not gonna hold anything back like because there's an audience here like you want to give them everything it doesn't matter if there's cameras or not or if it's broadcasted or not like i will always do the same show well do my best. Yeah. So it was more about just... It was more about just like that magical moment that you get when you are doing this live broadcast and you're looking at another person and singing into their eyes and you know that like everyone is watching mm-hmm. and that this is it. Right. There's no going back. It's like this sparkle that you get that uh, we didn't get to fully have. <laughs> but if it's any <laughs> consolation, I mean, I think that people still really liked the show but really loved what you did on it which must have felt nice yeah and i mean that's that's it's really special i'm so glad that people received it so well but the fact is like that day yeah, girl could not stop crying uh, i was a disaster yeah. and you guys but, still did it just for the people in the yeah, room we did we literally like set a bunch all of the levy bohem chairs in a circle and just like caught up and sang the songs and sang it to the audience and it was like one of those no pressure literally at all because right. it's just kind of for us and for people who are here and we're not even doing the full show so it was like, well, we can just play and have fun. And I was grateful that we did that because I did get to have the moment with everyone in the cast where I'm looking at them and I get to share that special moment of like, this is the last time we're going to be singing these songs together. Right. And um, got to close the chapter right. and feel good about it. Would you be up for doing a third live musical at some point? Someone literally the other day was like, your first live experience, your dad passed away, right. your second live experience, <laughs> you can do it live. <laughs> uh, I was like, you're right. I'm yeah. cursed. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, with all that aside, I probably would just because it is one of the most thrilling things that you get to do. Musical theater, doing it on Broadway or doing a show in general is so amazing, but you don't really have anything that you can show your children or your grandchildren with this you can put in the work have it really be that true theater experience but have something to share like the future generations that's true it's like the saddest thing that the thing that i guess you know put julie andrews on the map for anybody Mm. was not mary poppins or the sound of music it was my fair lady on broadway and then they replaced her with audrey hepburn and nobody in those days filmed the broadway thing so the thing that made her star Nobody yeah. will ever see. Yeah. But I guess but so that's, that's what's an, kind of the yeah, magic of it, yeah, too. Totally. But, you can keep it. Yeah. Okay. So, last question looking ahead to the future, what's highest priorities for you? And if you could, if you had to identify someone else whose career you most hope the rest of yours will resemble, who would that be? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I think it's always really important to reassess your career and figure out what the priorities are. So that's something that I actually just fairly recently did. For me, if I do what, at least one musical a year, I'm a happy girl. So 
I need one musical year. per year. Next, I think I would also like to find a romantic comedy, something to just play and exercise those comedy chops and just do something kind of ridiculous and fun. And then find a super nitty gritty, dark teeth sinking into the role indie. Um, Film or TV? Does it matter? It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. Uh, it's crazy that it doesn't right. because TV's that's just really, how it is yeah, nowadays. Right. There's so much incredible TV. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just want to find something where I can undergo like a complete transformation and look in the mirror and not recognize myself. Cause that's so is what there I, someone though that you look at and you're like, damn, if I could, if I could be like that person. Be like Mike, as they say. For the- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I always talk about Meryl Streep because she is the ultimate at yeah. longevity as well as diversity. Right. And she does musicals. That's right. So I'm that's sticking good, with Meryl. <laughs> that's a, you can't go wrong with Meryl. <laughs> you really can't. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thanks very much for tuning in to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that and would really appreciate you taking a minute more to subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or your podcast app and to leave us a rating as well. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach me via Twitter at twitter.com slash Scott Feinberg. And you can follow all of my coverage between episodes at thr.com slash the race. Finally, be sure to check out the other podcasts that are part of the Hollywood Reporters Podcast Network, all of which are excellent. Leslie Goldberg and Daniel Feinberg's TV's Top 5, Seth Abramovich and Chip Pope's It Happened in Hollywood, Carolyn Giardina's Behind the Screen, and Josh Wiggler's Series Regular. On behalf of all of us at The Hollywood Reporter, thanks for tuning in. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.